Okay. Oh, there we go. Great. Everyone well? Yes. yes. Happy it's raining. We went camping last, last week in uh, Nabugabu, which is uh, a great... Is anyone, who's been there to Lake Nabugabu? Has everyone, anyone ever been there? One, two... Not many. A few of you. Oh, you're missing out, guys. It's one of my favorite campsites in this whole country. Um, I met about 130 of us. Uh, it was quite fun. Um, last time we were there was a couple of years ago during the pandemic. The pandemic started for Uganda in March 2020. Uh, in October of the same year, it's the first time the government let us leave uh, the immediate area. So up to that point, uh, I'd been walking and using my motorbike around Laboa. I wasn't allowed to cross the boundary. Do you remember those days? We couldn't even cross out of the boundary. Crazy things going on. I remember so many crazy stories. This has nothing to do with what we're going to be doing. I'm just going to share it just to, uh, uh, to make you smile, hopefully. So I, I remember um, uh, that during that time, we had things like I, I left school one day at International School, Uganda, and as I came out of the gate, I saw a policeman running with his AK-47. I thought, oh, something's wrong. I looked right, and there was a boater boat. It had two people on it. You're not allowed to have two people during the pandemic. So the guy's running after, and the boater guy's just like looking and laughing and ignoring him. And uh, I said, okay, that's normal. This is, this is Uganda. This is what happens. In the UK, you just wouldn't generally have this going on. Uh, so I drove around the corner, and I turned left, because we used to live up in, um, across the valley, and Lubagumi, and... Uh, I turn around the corner, and then the next thing that happens, this is two minutes after this first thing, is uh, this, uh, two army guys jump out of the bush with two AK-47s in front of me. I was like, this does not look good. And uh, thankfully, I had a boater driver next to me. And uh, I think what had happened is that his face mask was not on. <laughs> so, they, so I didn't know who they were going to die for. I was getting ready to, do I try and get around them, or do I stop, or what do we do in this situation? And uh, he turned and went immediately for the... Uh, other boater driver. So selfishly, I didn't stop and help him. I was just like, thank you, Lord. And uh, it does help your prayer life. Uh, and this was just one journey. I'm going down the hill over there by the NSSF housing. I'm coming up the hill, and then my motorbike starts cutting out of fuel. So I'm remembering, I've got two soldiers behind me. I've just driven straight past them and ignored them. And now my, my petrol's failing, because I use the petrol station across the valley. Never use it. Uh, I think they fill it with water and petrol. And so the engine's cutting out. My prayer life increases again. I'm like, come on, Lord. Get my boater boater up the hill, and uh, it, it makes it I get around the corner, and then we live even further around and up another hill, and about a, a kilometer later, I'm coming up another hill, and uh, this massive dog, I, th I think it was a lion, to be honest, looked like a lion, but it's this huge dog, leaps out from the bushes, I'm like, come on, God, this is one journey, just like, get me home, uh, and uh, sure enough, I'm going up the hill, and then my motorbike starts cu cutting out again. The fuel starts failing and my prayer life increases once again because I stopped praying between the last hill and that hill. Lord, please keep my bike going. And this dog, I promise you, is on my heel, like here. Like, this is the end of the Mazungu. How did he die? He wasn't shot by the policemen or the soldiers. It's the dog that killed him. And uh, thankfully, the motorbike cut back in and the engine started again. And I got away. I got home. I said, honey, you've got no idea how that journey, <laughs> that journey was. So I don't know about you, but uh, when things like that happen, um, things go rather crazy. Anyway, I mentioned that simply, one, for prayer life, uh, and two, I was, I was mentioning at the beginning, uh, Lake Nabugabu, and uh, what happened that week, I think about just a few weeks later, is we went out to the campsites in Lake Nabugabu, and uh, normally each year of our school, we take about 20 teachers, new teachers, and a few others, and we camp. Um, but this year, because the pandemic had just lifted, and you could go without your boda boda across the boundaries, everyone started traveling. Do you remember this? Sort of October 2020. And uh, Mr. Simon Gillespie, the head of our school, he says, Rora, here you've got a camp weekend going. Uh, there's not too many, because, you know, we don't want a super spreader event. 
I said, I don't think there's too many, Simon. Uh, by this time, I'm starting to hear rumors. There's a few other expatriates and other Ugandans who want to come out and join us on the camping trip. I turn up at the camping weekend. There's about 200 people at the campsite. I thought there were about 30 of us. And I get back from the weekend, and uh, Simon, well, how was your weekend? I said, it's great, Simon. He says, well, there are many. No, not too many. All relative, not too many. And um, anyway, that's just a few fun memories. I don't know about you, um, but uh, that whole two years of pandemic created many times of us needing to pray for God. And why? Because we're beyond ourselves, and we're having to trust God. And I, d I don't know for you, but I do struggle with my prayer life. It's, it's probably an area that I struggle more than anything else. And I... I I really wish I was better at praying. Um, I've had seasons where it's been wonderful and I've seen God come through in great ways. But often it takes a crisis for me to really pray uh, when things are well beyond control. Either it's a health crisis um, or it's a work crisis or it's a friendship crisis or some sort of crisis. My question, what about you? Does it take a crisis for you to know how to pray? Or have you learned the discipline of praying day in, day out? Uh, with every day's life because it's so much better if you actually know how to pray and have a muscle so to speak a strong muscle in prayer life rather than waiting for the crisis and suddenly you have to start uh, using that that skill that blessing that gift that God has given us and it is such a gift you know we have the king God almighty who, who you know it's this side of the cross you know he listens to us so so easily and his grace is so sufficient in so many ways but I think we forget it so often um, but it's such a privilege. And the people before the time of Christ, they dreamt, the prophets of old dreamt of the day that we would live a life like this, where we have access to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the presence of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus said he would send as our helper into our lives. Okay? Great. So we're carrying on. It's week three on, on learning how to pray through Scripture. Uh, we're looking at Colossians. Um, Chapter 1, verse 9 to 12. I'm actually going to go back to the very beginning of this chapter just to set the context. Uh, it's suffice to say, uh, this time Paul, as ever, this time was in prison again. He was in a Roman prison uh, when he wrote to the church of Colossae and false teachers were coaching the Colossians to worship angels and follow special rules and ceremonies. So Paul wants to make sure he's correcting their thinking okay, through this letter, stressing that faith in Christ is sufficient for salvation and that nothing needs to be added to Christ's sacrifice on the cross. All right, so just a really important message. Let's just pray quickly before I read this through. Father, I just thank you for this Sunday. I thank you for the rain. I thank you for life. I thank you for friendships. I thank you for family. I thank you for the privilege of our, even our health to be able to come here. Uh, I thank you for all the good gifts that you give us that we so often forget to thank you for. But we are really thankful, Father God. And we just pray that this morning as a church we continue to learn to, to understand and live a life of prayer, constant prayer, as Paul says here in Colossians. Father God, so speak to us. I pray that not one person walks out of church this Sunday having not been encouraged in some small way, uh, Father God, in their walk with you. I thank you for the blessing of the scripture, the freedom of being able to worship you freely in this country. Uh, so be with us, Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so here we go. Colossians. Right, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. 
Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epithus. I can never say that word, sorry. Our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And here we go, really focusing on this part. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I could just stop there. I think it's just enough in reading that probably, isn't it? But let's, uh, by the grace of God, unpack it a bit further. Okay. First of all, just starting at the very beginning of um, of Colossians, I think that the first thing that always strikes me is is how Paul is is a saint who continuously thanks God. Continuously. Day in, day out. It's like a discipline, you know. He's just always thankful. And I've learnt in life, you know, even as I make my I love coffee, I love the coffee beans of Uganda. I make my coffee, I'm thank you, Lord, I live in a country with such great coffee. And I pour it in my kitchen, and I've just learnt in my life, in my 25 years walking with God, I've learnt that to to just be grateful for, even for those little things. He loves it. Why does he love it? Because a father loves to be involved in his children's lives. We know this as parents. My kids just love just doing life with me. Yeah, and just being part of life. So involve them. Just even the small things. That's my first tip. It's just even those tiny things. You think, well, God's not bothered by this. He cares about the famine in Ethiopia right now, whatever it is. Yes, he does. But he's God. He's omnipresent. He's quite capable of dealing with the famine in Ethiopia and also being part of your life making coffee. Uh, if you don't like coffee, tea or water in the morning. Okay. Um, so here, God is recognized uh, above all in this scripture as the cause of goodness in his people. This thanks, Paul said, is rendered when we pray. And thanksgiving was given because Paul had heard, you noticed, from Epaphras, that word I can't say, about their growing faith in Christ Jesus and their love for all the saints. See, prayer here is broader and more inclusive act of worship, including thanksgiving and intercession. So Paul thanked God for their faith and love that spring from hope. Okay, And this trilogy of virtue, of faith, love, and hope, is a favorite thing of Paul's. You can read it in Corinthians 13, 13. You can read it in 1 Thessalonians 1, 3. Even Peter, separate to Paul, okay, another great apostle at the time, okay, in 1 Peter 1, 3. 1 Peter 1 5, 1 Peter 1 22. Because what's so important about this? Well, it's this faith is the soul looking upward to God, love looks outwards to others, and hope looks towards the future. So faith, faith rests on the past works of what Christ Jesus has done for us on the cross. Love works in the present day life that we're living, and a hope anticipates something for the future. Does that make sense? Let me say it again, because I think it's so important. Faith rests on the past work of Christ Jesus. Okay, you're sitting right now in the grace of God. 
All right? Love works in the present. Because of that, we can love ourselves, not selfishly, but if you don't love yourself, God help your neighbor, okay? But so you've got to understand that you're loved by God and by that, uh, that infilling, that overflowing of being loved by the Father enables you to love all those in front of you, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the great, and whatever falls between, okay? That's the present. But at the same time, we have this hope that anticipates the future, and I sense, even as I'm saying it, that for some of us, we've lost hope in certain things. Okay, there's, there's areas of our lives you say, but God, I haven't seen this come through. I hoped I'd be married by now. I remember that even when I was 23. I hope I'm married by, oh, my friends are getting married. <laughs> Why am I not married? <laughs> uh, I don't know what it's for you, okay? But maybe it's more serious than that. Maybe, you know, you've got a hope for a job and it's just not come quite through the way that you want it to, okay? Uh, what is it? Have you worked through that disappointment? Do you have hope? As you're sitting right now, do you have hope for the future? And you know, I always use this metaphor. Hope is like a bird that sits on a branch in the early morning when it's still dark, okay? And sings while it's still dark, knowing that dawn is coming on the way. Are you singing? Are you chirping? Are you twittering? Sorry. <laughs> on your branch? Or have you stopped twittering, okay? And you've cancelled it out because you've had enough of all the hashtags and all the rest of it, okay? Whatever it is. But joking is like... Have you lost your hope? God wants to give your hope back this morning. Okay? So, Paul says, says, For this reason, 1 9, okay, because Paul has heard the good report of them, he continued to pray for them. Paul's ceaseless prayer, okay, does not mean that he prayed always and never stopping, okay? But he never forgot to pray for them daily when he regularly prayed. Let me make that, say that again. It's not saying in Scripture that Paul's constantly 24 7 praying. Not even Paul could do that, okay? But it's saying every time he's put aside some time to pray, he's remembering these people. Who does God want you to remember and pray for right now? And again, I believe it's probably people that you haven't prayed for for a long time. Maybe you've lost hope they won't come to know Christ. Maybe you're offended by them. Maybe it's just a distant friend or a distant family member. But I challenge you to start thinking about those people and start praying for them because prayer does change lives. Yeah, it is powerful. And I think that's why the devil goes after it so quickly. I think that's why we're so bad at it as Christians. Because it's such a powerful thing. Yeah? Okay. Right. So Paul's primary petition was that God would fill them with the knowledge of of his will. It says, be filled with knowledge. So Paul used two key words here. Okay? And I'm not going to pretend I know the Greek. Okay? Fill. Plirun. If I'm saying, is there any Greek speakers here? Any Greek speakers? Jerry, you must be, no, you're not, are you? Are there any Greek speakers? Okay, and knowledge. I'm not even going to try that one, okay? These are the two original Greek words, but let's unpack them. The first here, to fill, okay, suggests a filling out to completeness. And the latter, the second one, suggests a full, deep understanding. Let me say again. The first suggests a, a filling out to completeness. Not 99.999%, 100%. Okay, and the latter suggests a full, deep understanding and knowledge. And let me say again, in Hebrew, when it means knowledge, when it means understanding, it's experiencing God. So on the one level, we can read the Bible, which is so important, and I'm not dismissing that for a second, but it's also living it out. And like I say often about Beth, okay, I could read about my wife, I could know everything about my wife. That's very different to me actually living my life with, with Beth. Does that make sense? It's, it's hand in hand. I could, I could have a book all about her life, but it's also walking and living and experiencing my life with my wife. It rhymes, right? Life is sorry. <laughs> so how are you? you? Maybe you're on the one end. It depends on your, on your experience of church. I went to a very high Anglican church when I was at boarding school years ago to develop my British accent, okay? 
I was a very high church, and I knew God as a distant God just in the Bible, and that was it. I did not know he was really alive and involved in my life, okay? Then I went through a season of going through a very charismatic church. They liked the Bible, but they didn't read it too much, okay? And I experienced him in wonderful ways, but I lost my passion in understanding the Bible, okay? And then, by the grace of God, I found a church that balanced the two very well, okay? It's the Word of Scripture, and it's, 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 it's the Holy Spirit and the experience of walking with God, all right? That's the tension that always goes on. So such knowledge of God's will does not come from a fleshly mindset, okay, which puffs up, but from the Holy Spirit who enlightens the believer's inner person and from the Word of God. So he's asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. God's will is revealed in the Bible, is made known to believers by the Holy Spirit's teaching, okay? So his will, you can see his will in the Bible, okay? But then it's a matter of them walking that at the same time and living and experiencing God day to day. Am I making sense? I'm probably laboring the point. Okay. So he asks here that you be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom, not some, not 50%, but all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And to this, Paul added by saying all spiritual wisdom, okay, and something he used six times through the book of Colossians, that it's practical know-how which comes from God, an understanding which speaks of clear analysis and decision-making. So the wisdom that God gives you is the wisdom to be able to make clear decisions on life. So if you're struggling in an area right now in your life, okay, God has the wisdom for you. Amen. He does. He has the wisdom. You're like, well, I've not heard anything, Roy. It's fine for you to say, but I've not heard him. Okay, read the Bible. Okay, you will see life after life in every situation you could ever think of, whether it's divorce, whether it's betrayal, whether it's death, whether it's sickness, okay, or whether it's uh, wisdom and should you go to a new country, whatever it might be, you will see it throughout Scripture, okay, but at the same time, seek the Holy Spirit, okay, and what I often find with God is he'll confirm it in the Word, and then I'll get a sense of peace in my spirit, do you know about you, that for me, that's the bellwether, I look for the peace of God in the decision I'm making. If I don't feel peaceful, I try my very best, so I'm quite impatient, to wait, okay, and say, God, why am I not peaceful in this situation? What is it? And I try and get to the bottom of what is going on. And you might say, well, Rory, you think that's a good decision, but actually, there's something else I want you to be doing. Or you think this, okay, all these various things, the way that God guides us through life. I hope that resonates. Okay. So God gives us the wisdom to apply this knowledge to various problems in life. Now, Paul's writing this because at the same time, the people he's writing to, there's a lot of false teaching going on. And I know all across the world this is an issue. And Uganda, I know it's a pertinent issue as well. All right? By contrast, the false teachers offered only an appearance of wisdom. You read this later in Colossians 2.23, which captivated their minds and lives in legalistic regulations. So these, these have the, an appearance of wisdom promoting self-made religion, okay? But it's just not right. And I, I, I think, again, you know, I wonder why do they get captivated by these false teachers? Uh, there's probably a million different reasons, all right? But I imagine if you're not, if you don't have a healthy prayer life, if you're not walking close to a God, it's very easy to get off track with God, isn't it? And I think it's very subtle. That's what I've noticed with God over the years. I just make one small decision that's not quite the right decision. Okay, I don't quite, then I make another one, then I make another one. And then suddenly, dramatically, I look over my shoulder, I say, oh my goodness, where am I right now? What am I doing? And how on earth have I gotten here? And God, if I spend time with God, he says, well, Roy, if you look back, those few months or those few years, 
that point there, that's when it wasn't quite the right decision. Does that make sense? Yeah? So for you, but different areas of life. All right? But for these guys in Colossians, clearly they had been um, amazed by, by this teaching. So I'd, I'd say be careful. Whenever you come across someone new or someone new comes in church and they seem to be gifted and talented and wonderful, they could well be, and it's great, but it's so important you spend time to get to know them, get to know their character. The best thing I know, I often say to my grade 12 students when they graduate, I always leave a message. I say, choose your, bet, your top five friends very carefully. Because I will tell you what you're like by getting to know your five closest friends. Because your five closest friends will influence your life. They're people you hang out with. And if your top five friends, if you look at their lives and think, let me look at the fruit of their lives. Is that a godly life? Is that a life full of love and grace and joy? Or is it a life of gossip and criticism and, uh, you know, getting drunk or whatever it might be? Do I admire what I see in my five closest friends? So I say to the students, you know, at ISU, I say, look, when you go to university, Take time, choose your five top friends very closely. So maybe for some of you, it's a season of changing some of those friendships slightly. I'm not saying they're all bad. I'm not saying get rid of those friends, but make sure that your inner close five friends are people that you admire. Yeah, people you look at, and if others look at them, wow, those are remarkable, kind, gracious, God-fearing, God-loving, kingdom-filled people. Okay, because that will influence you. Hope that makes sense. Okay, <laughs> right. Um, so, true spiritual wisdom is both stabilizing and liberating. You can read this in Ephesians 4.14, okay? True spiritual wisdom is both stabilizing and liberating. Knowledge and wisdom are often connected in Scripture, all right? So, in Deuteronomy 4.6, if we go to the next one, it says this. Sorry, Deuteronomy. There we go. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. All right? And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of both of these things. And when I say this, you know, so, so God, you see in the Old Testament, just like that in Deuteronomy, where God uh, has given wisdom to his people, and at times Israel does wonderful things, and people admire the nation. They tremble as they approach the promised land. You know, who's this great nation uh, that is uh, coming along? And I think, um, for me, when I often then hear straight on the back of wisdom in Proverbs, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I, used to, I, I really did not like that. <laughs> The fear of God? Because some of the churches I used to go to, it was, the fear of God! If you step wrong, you are dead. If you, you know, do the wrong thing, that's the end of you, end of your family. You are doomed. You're going to hell for the rest of your life. <laughs> Goodbye. Farewell. Kwahiri. Um, but there's, but there's, there's a credible depth within that statement. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. All right? So I'm going to pause here, because this is more going to be an interactive... It's not like I'm normal, this is me preaching the whole time. I'm going to turn to the person next to you, or make a small group around you. Where is the wisdom in the fear of God? Is the beginning of wisdom. What, 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 what does that mean? What is the fear of God? Because there's an incredible truth within that. Okay? Why, is that. why does God start with that? Why is that throughout the Bible? The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. All right? So I'm just going to give you guys uh, just two, three minutes. Okay? So just find a small group here. Why does the Bible, why, why do they say this? Why does Paul say this? Why does Peter say this? Why does it say it throughout the Old Scripture? Especially in Proverbs, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Okay, have a chat. No wrong answer. Have a chat in your group. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just have a quick chat. See if you can agree. You might not agree. All right, you've got three or four minutes. Go for it.
it's absolutely true. I think, I think for me, I think one of the things I've realized, um, if I fought my own father, okay, my, my father was quite scary at the early stages of my life. Um, quite distant, a Victorian sort of influenced father. His father was a pilot in World War I. Whole British history behind I've got time to unpack it. I've, I've said that story before. I was very fearful of him, okay? But at the same time, as he sort of mellowed and matured, he still had an incredible love for me and my family and my mum. Does that make sense? So there's this incredible fear. Now, it wasn't a healthy, it was more of like an earthly fear. It wasn't a healthy fear, because it was a fear of being punished, <laughs> a fear of being beaten. Um, but there was the tension, and at the same time, I was inc I'm incredibly loved by my father. I'm very fortunate. He's a very loving father and sacrificed a lot for me. Okay, so I think that's the best, you know, our best example really is our own fathers. And we all have our own story of our fathers. But ultimately, the perfect father is incredibly powerful, and, and you get to see that when you see the thunder and lightning. Sorry, I should say the other way. Let me be a bit more scientific. Lightning than thunder. <laughs> when you see the lightning and thunder, um, then it reminds me, gosh, God is very powerful. Okay. Um, but then at other times, I, I get that sensitive, just sense of knowing that I'm loved by the Father, that I'm valued. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's this tension. But really, that's what wisdom is. And wisdom, you know, it says if I will pray for wisdom, ask for wisdom. You know, you're, you're so fortunate. I, I read often, you know, the, the, these people saying, you know, Christians should be leading in so many spheres of life because we've got access to the King of Kings. You know, he's got an endless treasure trove of wisdom and, and, and all these things. And I, I think if the church truly walked into what God has called us to be walked, you know, to walk into, we would, we would see Christians influence every sphere of life. We do, I see elements of that. I see certain people doing that in certain ways, but I think there's so much more. So my question for you really is, are you dreaming big enough? Do you realize that you can ask God for more wisdom? Wisdom for your job, wisdom for your marriages, wisdom for just life on the whole, okay? And this is where Paul so importantly talks about wisdom. Okay, so um, I think that the, the first uh, commentary as well, talking about the fear of man, this is such, such a big one. You know, if you are, it's elsewhere in the Bible, if you fear man, it will be a snare to your feet. Yeah, I wonder what we would do as people if we had no fear in our hearts. I wonder what we would do if we had absolutely no fear for our finances, no fear for our health, no fear of thinking what others think. And, and I've realized this in my own children. As, they, as they've trans, transitioned from the junior school where they really didn't care what people thought, okay? Then you really care what mum and dad think. They change in the teenage years of trying to understand their peers and being valued by their peers, which is, which is healthy. You know, you have to, our kids have to transition to be part of life and learning that. But it's also this huge fear that I see on them. You know, whenever we, we, we do something that singles them out in some way, especially if it's at school or something, they, they really don't like it because they want to fit in. They don't want to be the one standing out. Um, so my challenge to you, even if you're a teenager here, I, I, I was until last year, um, is, <laughs> many years ago, is, you know, don't worry what people think, okay? Try and learn it at a young age, because then uh, you'll see incredible things. But otherwise, maybe you're older and you say, well, I'm still fearful what people think, <laughs> okay? Try and work through that. Get to the root. God, why am I so fearful of this? And my question, my, my guess would be this. You, you're getting value from your peers rather than value from the Father. Does that make sense? You're getting value from your peers rather than value from the Father. If you wake up in the morning and remind yourself, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I have a God who adores me. I have a God who sent his son to die for me. And he is walking with me today with the power of the Holy Spirit. All things are possible. I, have, you know, I should have no fear of what's coming my way. I'm going to have a good day. Yeah? Okay? 
Right. <laughs> so uh, four things uh, come as a result of this God-pleasing life. As we have the wisdom and learning how to live this life, okay, we bear fruit, we grow, we become strengthened, and in the process we give thanks. Okay, we bear fruit, we grow, we become strengthened, and we give thanks. The first two, okay, are related uh, really to bearing fruit and growing in the knowledge of God. And Paul used the same words, bearing fruit and growing. As one manifests the fruit of faith, he grows in faith himself. Let me say that again. As one manifests the fruit of faith, he grows in faith himself. He comes to a deeper knowledge of God. Because it says, being strengthened with all power, verse 11, according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So here, okay, is as we understand who God truly is, yeah, as, as we start to immerse ourselves in the presence of God and the truth of God, okay, you will grow, yeah, you will see fruits, you will, you will put your hands to stuff and see God doing remarkable things. Hands up if you've ever seen God do remarkable things as you've grown in faith. Amen. Okay, half the church. Good. The other half. Right, we're going to pray for you. Okay. <laughs> All right. So as one manifests the fruit of their faith, okay, we grow in faith itself. So it's almost like faith breathes faith. Yeah? It gives us confidence. And, I, and Beth and I were talking the other day. We've been through a lot, like all of us, in our lives. Yeah? And uh, just because you, I could have all of you up here sharing amazing stories, I'm sure. For us, we've seen, I think we, we realize now the battles that we fight in our life are much bigger battles than we fought 10 years ago. Because God has strengthened us through the experiences of life. And as you know, it's been tough. Since I've been here, I've had someone working at our house drown in our pool. I've had someone working in my team commit suicide. I've had the most remarkable, challenging situations. But I've realized as I've walked the journey through these horrific things, that God, by his grace, lots of tears and the rest of it, has carried us through that. Does that make sense? And I've had to learn in the process not to get bitter or angry, or like, why? Why did that happen? Why did that happen in my watch? Why did that happen in my team? What did I do, you know, all these dangers that come around? So you have to keep a soft heart in the process, but every situation, okay, continues to develop your faith, and you grow and you mature in wisdom. Does that make sense? All of you, you are all wiser than you were last week. I hope. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Okay, so we get this deeper knowledge, this deeper experience of walking with God. This is what Paul's talking about here in Colossians, okay? As well, we get spiritual strength, okay? And that results from just knowing God's will and pleasing Him. So we just learn what pleases God and what doesn't please Him, all right? And being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, it includes these three words for strength. Being strengthened, power, and might. And what this does for us is it builds an endurance in our lives, and time-wise, I'm just going to be about another five minutes, okay? So it builds this endurance in our lives. And you see this in the Bible. I said to you at the beginning, you can go to the Bible and find everything. If you think of Job and the endurance that was lived out in Job's life, can you imagine living Job's life? No, thank you. I never want to. <laughs> I pray none of us ever do. But what, what a remarkable endurance that by the end, you can look at the Father and give him glory. Even though he lost everything, okay? God came through for him in the end. All right? I think with this, another key word, as well as endurance, I want to unpack is, is patience. All right? So we have endurance, which means we're not easily succumbed, not easily overpowered, okay? but we also have patience. This means we're self-restrained. Yeah? And we don't hastily retaliate to situations. 
I don't know about you, this is an area I struggle with sometimes, especially with my kids early in the morning when I'm grumpy and I haven't had my coffee, all right? What's your patience like? You know, do you retaliate? I, I realize when, I get, when I'm working too much and I get tired, my patience dwindles ever so quickly, okay? We came back from camping, like I said, last weekend. We were the four most grumpy people in Uganda last weekend. We knew that any time we had an interaction in our house, it would explode into something not healthy. So in the end, we said, everyone's going to bed. <laughs> we're all going to sleep. We're exhausted. Okay, and the next day, it's fine. I don't know, what about you? How's your patience in life? If I asked your best friend or your family, what would they say? I wonder. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them what you think they'd say? 30 seconds, okay? Will they say you're patient or not patient? Have a quick go. Will they say you're patient or not patient? And say when you notice they're not patient, because it might help them. Do they need more coffee, more sleep? Okay, right. That was, an, it was interesting watching the faces on that one. <laughs> okay. So, endurance. We talked about wisdom, endurance, patience. One more thing. We'll finish here, okay? Um, it says, Paul said, you know, such patient producing power, it should be accompanied by joyfully giving thanks. Not begrudgingly, but joyfully giving thanks to the Father, from whom comes every good and perfect gift. This is from James 1.17, okay? Here in Colossians, it's in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father, who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. Thankfulness. So important. Okay, and this is what we're going to finish with, just, just praying for each other. Well, what I want us to do, okay, let me just unpack it slightly. If life is difficult, just get a piece of paper and write down everything you can be thankful for. And start with really simple things. Thank you, God, for my shoes and my feet. Thank you, God, for the trousers I have. Thank you, God... Um, for the house I have over my head. Thank you for breakfast. All right, maybe it's just one egg, whatever it is. Thank you for, your mammy's working and it's raining. It's a miracle. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> whatever it might be. It's the best thing to get you out of a bad mood. Okay, when you're being grumpy and life is difficult, just there's so much to be thankful be thank for every breath you've had during my preach. Thank you that you haven't fallen asleep during my preach. Yeah, thank you that you came to church today. All right. You might be like, oh, it's raining. I'm not going to be thankful. I'm going to get wet in a minute. Okay? Just be thankful. Rain's a blessing. Uganda is a blessed country. I've lived in about a quarter of this continent. I've seen a lot of Africa. Okay? This is one of my favorite in the sense of just, you're a blessed country. I look out the window. It's, it's green. Okay? In Zimbabwe, trust me, half the time it's dust. Okay? Not all of it, but okay, you're blessed in so many ways. So many good things. Okay? You might say, oh, well, Roy, we haven't got a queen like you. We, we miss having that that whole ceremony you had last week. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Okay, so big thankful. So final, we're going to finish with this. Um, I want you to be, just to get back in your groups, and I want you just to share what you're thankful for. Just think of two or three things each, and then just pray and thank God, and then I'm going to close in prayer. Does that sound good? Okay? So you've got three or four minutes. Get back in your groups, and just say, this is what I'm thankful. I'm thankful for my children. Thank you for my clothes. Thank you for my chair that I'm sitting on. Whatever it is. What are you thankful for? Isn't it good giving thanks? Isn't that good to me? Feel good? I love it. I just love giving thanks. It's great. It's always good. Okay. Right. So now I'm just going to pray back through this scripture quickly to close. Okay. And encourage you, um, after you've got your snacks, you're welcome to get back in the groups and pray for each other using the scripture. Okay. Um, 
but I also really want you to try and uh, hang out in the Colossians 1, 9 to 12 in particular this coming week, all right? And if you'd like to get a free notebook, you'll get it next week if you've memorized Colossians 1, 9 to 12, all right? I'm just going to pray this through and just give you a final example as we finish, all right? So let's close our eyes, let's pray. I'm just going to read this over us. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Father, I thank you so much, Lord God, for this example of Paul praying for the uh, Colossians, Father God. I just thank you for, for the incredible wisdom in the Scripture. Lord God, I thank you as we know you more. We learn how to live life, a life of love, a life of grace, a life of patience, a life of joy, a life of thankfulness, a life that therefore bears much fruit in all that we're doing, Father God. I pray that you give us the endurance and the strength and the patience we need to live in this world, Father God. I thank you that we're born for such a time as this, to live in this part of the world, in this season right now. I sense God wants to say to us, be present, live in the present. Stop trying to live for the future. Stop uh, having regrets for the past, but live in the present. And God, I just ask that many testimonies will come in the weeks and the months and the years ahead where people come up and say, you know, when we looked at Colossians and I learned about knowing and fearing the Lord, the wisdom of God, and learned about thankfulness and all these things that it, that it impacted my marriage, it impacted my life, it impacted my friends, it impacted my university I'm at, it impacted the school I go to, impacted the NGO I work out, or the, 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 the shop I work in, or whatever it is. I just pray for testimony after testimony of God's faithfulness, Lord God. Let us know you more. I thank you that you're for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? In God's precious name, amen. amen. Okay. All right. Now you can be thankful for coffee. It's not Starbucks, but it's as close as we can get. And for the good snacks at the back. Amen, amen. Have a great week and stay dry. <laughs>